1 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> We're making our way down through um, this 1 Timothy chapter 1. And just as a, a real quick reminder as well, Along with this, remember at the end of each chapter, as we're going through this on Sunday mornings, what we'll do is at the end of each chapter, we'll kind of do a break, do a, a series, um, and then the, the series that we're going to do after the end of chapter one, I think it's going to be a very, very, very important series. So if you can make it to every one of them, please do so. If you can't, make sure that you keep up with it um, through YouTube, all right? Um, so... 1 Timothy chapter 1, let's just read, we'll read uh, verse 15 and verse 16, and uh, we'll see how far we get with this today. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this information, may we allow your word to be the final authority in all things. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, when we take a look at this, we, we've gone through we've gone through the issue of, uh, of, of what Paul's telling Timothy, don't let other people teach other doctrine, right? So that tells us there were some folks there in in Ephesus that were teaching other doctrine. We've gone through all those things. And that's the charge that he gives to Timothy is to charge them that they teach no other doctrine. And we've gone down through that. And what he does is he gives him, here's three things to replace those three things, right? And we've gone down through this and taken a look at what's the purpose of the law. Well, the law is for not for righteous people because there's nothing that we can do to be able to meet that law. In fact, what we found out is the proper purpose and use of the law today is for letting folks know that you've fallen short of God's glory. Now, what's interesting um, as you go through there is the, the Old Testament said, here's the law. We mentioned this yesterday over in Moorhead. Um, when, when you look at the law, what the law was to do is to say, here's God's righteousness. Try to attain it. Right. But then what we find out in Romans chapter three is he says that now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. So what he's doing now is he's saying, if you want to know what my righteousness looks like, you go to the cross, because that's the issue that he brings up there, that Christ died for all, that his righteousness was available to all, but is upon all them that believe. And so he's saying, you don't have to look to the law anymore. I'm going to manifest what my righteousness looks like. In fact, my righteousness allows me to go back and I'm going to be the justifier of those that were before because of what the, what the cross did. All right. So we, we've talked about those things and gone through that. Now we've come down through and we've looked at the issue of who Paul was and some of those issues there. And we talked about um, in verse 15 that this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Now, this saying that he has that's faithful and that is worthy of all acceptation is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And we talked about what that means to be the chief. And we've looked at those things. Verse 16, he says, How be it for this cause I obtained mercy? 
And we spent a lot of time at the beginning of 1 Timothy talking about what mercy was. And I wanted to make sure that we understood what that was because once we get over here, we find out what's going on. But notice, how be it for this cause? <clears throat> for the cause that Christ came into the world to save sinners, I obtained mercy. That in me first. And we looked at that issue of why is it that Paul was first? There was something specific that was going on about that. That Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. So the last couple of weeks we talked about what long suffering was. And of course, when you look at this, <clears throat> who is it that's long suffering in this verse? It's God. And what God is doing, he's saying, here is a pattern. And we'll look at this. This is what we're going to look at today. He says, here's a pattern. If you want to see what my long suffering is, notice the reason that he did this is for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now, let's go get some things real quick. Go over to Hebrews chapter 8. <clears throat> now, uh, I want to make sure that we we see some some issues with this. <clears throat> um, what's the what's the purpose of a pattern? All right. Here's this, and I want you to follow this. But here's the other thing: what this pattern has to do with is what showing forth all long suffering. Right. So there's this pattern of showing forth all long suffering, and the pattern is here's this. And I want you to match the pattern, right? Now, growing up, I can't remember what they were. Um, you remember how you could go Walmart and you could get the patterns? You still can. You can go get the patterns for dresses or pants or shirts and all that stuff, right? There's a pattern inside, and it's got different sizes. And based on which size you want, you pick out what that is. You cut it out, and then you make a pattern. You use that pattern to create the pieces, and then you put the pieces together, right? Now, if you don't go by the pattern, what happens? It's not good. It's not going to fit. Now, notice Hebrews chapter 8. <clears throat> we'll start here in verse um, verse 1. <clears throat> now, the things which he have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Now, what I want you to notice here real quick is that phrase, the true tabernacle, all right? So there is a tabernacle that God put up, that he pitched, that man has not pitched, all right? So that's what I want you to get to the very begin with is that he says, and the minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which is which the Lord pitched and not man. Notice, <clears throat> For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. Notice, who serve unto the example and shadow of the heavenly things, as, Mo, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the, what? Pattern shown to thee in the mount. So here's what I want you to think about. There is what this, what God calls here the true tabernacle. And what he's going to do is he's going to say, I want you to use this tabernacle as a what? 
there is a pattern in which this tabernacle is going to match that true tabernacle. All right. So when Moses gets this, what does his tabernacle, what should it look like? The original one, the true one, the one that God pitched and not man. So this would be a tabernacle that man pitched, right? And so then the way that you're going to do that is God gives that there's some sort of pattern to work off of that. Now, um, let's go real quick. Let's go back. And I, I just want to, there's a whole bunch of things that we could get into with this, but um, I'm just not going to to for time sake. Go back to Genesis chapter one. And, and, and I want us to be able to see this issue of the pattern. Now, when we go back to Genesis chapter 1, I just want us to think about some things. When Moses was given the pattern of the tabernacle, when you go through and you find out the people that he used to be able to build the tabernacle, they used the right materials and they built it exactly to spec. When God gave um, Noah the directions for the ark, he said, here's how I want you to build it. Here's the pattern. And what does Noah do? He builds it exactly according to that pattern. And we find that out because we find out that Noah did exactly what God told him to do. Now, when we talk about this issue of pattern, we'll see this over and over again. I said get Genesis. Hold that right there. Go to Exodus 35. Hold your place there. Go to Exodus 35. <clears throat> Is that or 25? Exodus 25. Um, Exodus chapter 25. <clears throat> and we we could go through all kinds of parts of this, but I don't want to go through all of it. Notice here in Exodus chapter 25, <clears throat> verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Who's speaking there? The Lord is. He's speaking to Moses. What's he using when he's speaking to Moses? Words, right? Notice. Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram's hair dyed red and badger's skins and shittim wood oil for the light spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Notice, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the instruments thereof, even so, even so shall ye make it. So what's he doing? He's saying, here's the material. I want you to gather this material from the folks. And it's not, and you notice this gold, silver, brass, but blue and purple and scarlet, finally goat's hair. And he wants ram's hair, but he wants ram's hair dyed red. It's very specific. It's not, you know, we'll go to the market and see what you can find and then build something that kind of looks that way. 
one of the things I tell my kids all the time at school is <clears throat> estimations don't build buildings and bridges. Okay? Because if you estimate on stuff, what might happen is you might have something that's not long enough and you're not going to be able to do that and you're not going to have that bridge built. You want to be exact. You want to be as precise as you possibly can. And that's what's going on here. And it's not just go find some stuff, but God says, here's the list that I want you to go through. Go get these things. And then verse 9, here's the issue that we saw back over in, in, in Hebrews. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle. Well, what, what tabernacle is the pattern he's talking about is this one, right? Saying, here's the pattern, and I want you to go build this tabernacle. Notice, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof. Everything that's going to be inside this, everything that's going to be around all, everything that has to do with this, God says, here's a pattern. I want you to use this pattern. Um, and again, we could go down through and look at all these. Drop down to verse, verse 40. Verse 40. And, and again, he goes through, gives them a list. Um, you get down to verse 40 and he says, And look that thou make them after their what? Pattern. And of course, what he's talking about here is the candlesticks. He's saying there's a pattern for the candlesticks. And I want and look that thou make them after their pattern which was showed thee in the mount. Every detail of this is based off of that pattern. Now we don't have time to go through the tabernacle and all the parts of the tabernacle and how that how that relates to a bunch of stuff. The main issue that I want us to be able to see is what the issue of the pattern. Go to Numbers chapter eight. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 8. And again, we see this same issue. Numbers chapter 8, verse 1. And like I said, there's a bunch of different places we can go here, but these are just some that I pulled out. Numbers 8, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, and say unto him, When thou lightest the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light over against the candlestick, and Aaron did so. He lighted the lamps thereof over against the candlestick. How? As the Lord commanded Moses. Now, I want you to stop and think about that real quick. God gives instructions to Moses. What did Moses do? He presented the exact same information to Aaron, and Aaron did exactly what Moses was commanded. So here you see this issue, you know, we, we've got 2 Timothy chapter 2 where it says, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same. Don't change it. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. It's that issue of that lineage of the truth. Keep it going, right? Verse 4, and the work of the candlestick was of beaten gold. Under the shaft thereof, under the flowers thereof was beaten work. According unto the what pattern which the Lord had showed Moses, so he made the candlestick. Moses says, here's the pattern, Aaron. Aaron says, all right, let's make it. And he does exactly that. And there's, again, tons of folks that he's, that he's dealing with this. 
Um, go to Joshua chapter 22. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 22. Works better if I'm in Joshua. There we go. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 22. <clears throat> um, let's just start. Let's just start here in verse... Uh, 26. We'll just break in the context here to get to the verse I'm wanting. Joshua 22, verse 26. Therefore we said, let us now prepare to build us an altar, not for burnt offering, not for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us that we might do the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings that your children may not say to our children in time to come, ye have no part in the Lord. Therefore said we that it shall be when they should say to us or to our generations in, that, in, the, in time to come, that we may say again, Behold, the pattern of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between us and you. God forbid that we should rebel against the Lord and turn this day from following the Lord to build an altar for burnt offerings, for meat offerings, for sacrifices beside the altar of the Lord, our God, that is before his tabernacle. One of the things that we that we see there is what? Here's this pattern for the altar of the Lord. And what's he say in verse 29? God forbid that we should rebel against the Lord. There's a pattern to things. Here's how you're supposed to do that. Well, if you don't do that, then what happens? It's not a good thing. You've rebelled against that particular type of pattern. Now, that takes us into a whole mess of things, too, that we're not going to get into again. But back over to Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> what I want us to be able to think about as we're looking at Paul as a pattern for long-suffering, there's a pattern that's being displayed there. Right? Who created that pattern? God did. Right? And he's he's Christ is showing all long suffering and using Paul as a pattern. Now again, notice here in, in Genesis chapter one. We'll just start here at Genesis chapter one, verse one. <clears throat> Just out of curiosity, do you think that God just said, I think I'm going to make a heaven and an earth one day? I don't really know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to put it together and see what happens. No. Now, what happens is the true tabernacle, and again, it's another one of those things we could get into. That true tabernacle that we see is the universe that he created. Again, we'll talk about that some other time. And the tabernacle that you see is an, is an imitation of that. It's a pattern of that. That's the pattern. Now notice this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. How did he create the heaven and the earth? He spoke it. 
based on what? There is a pattern in which he was going to create the heaven and the earth. There's a reason that there's shape to it. There's a reason, you know, when you, when you start talking about all the things, you know, what's the purpose of life? What's the reason of life? God starts the very beginning. There is a reason for the things that he's done. Always. And it's not a haphazard, let's just see what happens type of thing. But he created the heaven and the earth by speaking it into existence. And it matches what he said it should match. Now, notice verse 2. There's a problem, right? When... Well, let's verse two. And the earth was without form and void. Now you stop there and think about this for a second. God had a pattern that he gave to Moses for the tabernacle. And he says, I want you to follow that pattern. And we looked at how specific those things were. And it's not just the tabernacle, but it's the things that went in the tabernacle. He is very specific. Use this stuff. Use ram's hair that's dyed red. Does verse 2, and the earth was without form and void, sound like it's a specific type of deal? Something's going on. We've talked about that before. But here's the main thing I want us to look at. Would God have made the earth without form if he's got a tabernacle that's true? And he says, Moses, I want, I want you to build a tabernacle after the pattern of the true tabernacle. Would he create the earth without form? No. Why would it stand a reason that he would? Would he create it void? Well, what's void? It's empty. There's nothing there. The answer, of course, is no. Notice. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So when you look at that, did God create darkness? Now, again, there's other things that's going on here. But there's this issue of darkness was upon the face of the deep. Well, where did the deep come from? Because <laughs> we've had heaven and earth in verse 1, and the earth's without form and void, and then all of a sudden you've got a deep that he's not talked about created in the first verse. So something's going on here. And he says, and the Spirit of God did what? Moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3, and God said. Again, the whole issue here is what? God's word what did god give to moses a pattern how did he give him that pattern <coughs> through the words and what did moses do with those words to aaron is he gave aaron those words and all kinds of other folks he gave them the words and they knew exactly how to build based on that pattern that moses was commanded to give them now <clears throat> verse three and god said let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was what? Good. Now, when you think about light in and of itself, and again, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on there. 
is there anything like is light like light does light hold like a good moral character Think about that. But notice, when it says the light was good, what's he mean? That means there was a pattern for light, and light matched the pattern. That's what he means when he says the light was good. It matches the light that he said that he spoke into existence. And he says the light was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now, again, there's a couple of things that's going on there. Verse 5, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So what's he say about the light in verse 4 there is that the light was good. It matches the pattern. When God spoke light into existence, he said, the light, that's good because it matches exactly what I want it to be. <clears throat> Verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was what? Good. Which means what? So here you have dry land, which he calls earth, and it matches the pattern. Right? And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb, herb uh, yielding seed, and the fruit tree, uh, fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in of itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb built, and you're going down through there. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Question, is there anything inherently good? Does the earth perform or moral good? <laughs> Again, think about that. Or is good the fact that it matches the pattern? He's saying, here's the blueprint for the earth. Earth matches, the earth's good. All right? Verse 14. <clears throat> And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let there be and let them be for lights in the firmament in the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was what? <clears throat> so sun, moon, stars. Can they perform moral good? Or is it that those things match the pattern? And God says, here's the pattern for the sun, moons, and stars. Here's what I've created. It matches exactly. It's good. All right. <clears throat> Verse 19, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Verse 20, <clears throat> and God said, let the waters bring forth abundant, the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth and the open firmament of heaven. 
And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was what? So here you have fowl, whales, and really you have creatures, right? What do you know about those creatures? They match the pattern and God says, those are good because they match the pattern, right? Verse 23, in the evening and the morning were the fifth day. <clears throat> Verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. Notice again, it's, and God said, and it was so. Right? It's, his words are the issue. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was what? Good. Now, as we go down through here and we see these things, what do we notice about all these things? Here you've got cattle and all that stuff. And you got man on the sixth day. What do we know about those things? They're what? They're good because they match the pattern. Did anybody notice we skipped today? Notice, jump back to verse 6. And this explains a lot of the stuff in, in verse 2 there in chapter 1. Day two, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so, and God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. You notice a word missing there that we've seen in the other verses. So there's something in that place that he calls heaven that he doesn't say matches the blueprint, right? Well, what did we just read a little bit ago that if you go against the pattern, what have you done? It's what? You've rebelled. The reason that stuff up there doesn't match his pattern is because there's a rebellion that took place. We all know that. Satan and all his angels, we understand those things. <clears throat> Go over to Well, let's look at again, that word good we don't see there, right? All right, go back over to 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter one. And we'll see this again. <clears throat> Notice verse 16. Howbeit for this cause, I obtained mercy 
that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should what? Hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. We talked before about God's long suffering, right? And with that long suffering, what we see is God is long suffering the creation right now because he's doing something forming the church, the body of Christ. Something that was never talked about before. Something that he kept secret and hid within himself. And he's saying now that Paul is a what? A pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now, real quick, go over to Jude. And I want us to keep in mind this issue of that right there, right? We know the verses. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. We understand that, hopefully, right? But I want us to think about this, too. If, if God gives to Moses the true tabernacle's pattern, he says, I want you to go and build this tabernacle. And Moses turns around and says to Aaron, you don't have to use ram's blood dipped in red or dyed in red. Just use ram's, ram, ram's hair dipped in red, but just use ram's hair. Would that match the pattern or would that be a rebellion? Right Now, again, we've seen that there was a rebellion. So Jude, then Revelation. Right? Huh? Good. Good. Praise the Lord. So think about those things, right? And I want you to notice this. <clears throat> Jude verse um, let's just start here at verse 11 Jude verse 11 now there are some there are some folks that, that Jude's dealing with prior to this and he's dealing with some apostate folks here. But notice in verse 11, he says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Now, I want you to stop there and think about this for just one second. What do we know about Cain? Cain slew Abel, and God said what? Well, let's back up before that. What does Cain go to God and ask for? <laughs> Protection, because if people find out who I am, they're going to kill me. And so God puts a mark on him and he goes off and then he says, what? You're going to be a vagabond. Well, what's that mean? You're not going to have a dwelling place. You're going to have to go from city to city begging and pleading and all this stuff. And you're never going to have rest. That's what dwelling has to do with. You know, when we talk about let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, that's let it rest in you. Let it take up residence and rest in you. So when you talk about that issue of dwelling, he's saying you're going to have no rest for the rest of your life. Well, what does Cain do? He builds a city, names it after his son. And in that city, they start doing all kinds of wonderful things, right? That we see today and we're like, hey, this is new stuff. And everybody was like, Cain did that 6,000 years ago, right? You start thinking about those things. But what is it? The way of Cain is what? Denying the authority that you're given. So had, had Moses not told Aaron what he was supposed to do, 
Moses would have been at fault. If Aaron didn't do what Moses told him to do, Aaron would have been at fault, right? That's that issue of the rebellion there. That's the issue of the way of Cain. We see this again. Notice, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Now, if you want a chance to go back to Numbers 22, 31, go back in there, read about Balaam and Balak and all that stuff. The exact same thing takes place there. But notice this one. And perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Now, if we don't know who Kor is, we did a study years ago called Don't Be the Core of the Body of Christ. Because a lot of people are. And what, what Core does is you go back, <clears throat> you go back and you find out what was what was the gainsaying of Core. Well, first of all, when you go back to the Old Testament, you're going to find Korah, K-O-R-A-H. That's Korah that we see here in Jude verse 11. C-O-R-E, right? And the difference in the spellings is because one's Hebrew and one's Greek, right? So when we see that, you go back and you study what Korah does. What does Korah do? He resists the authority that God gave Moses. And says, I'm not going to follow your pattern that you gave me. And we've said before, and I've heard it from folks as well, that just as Moses was the great lawgiver, by the way, what do most people refer to it as? In fact, what does Jesus Christ refer to it as? It's the law of who? Moses. Did people have a problem with that? Did they say, you worship Moses? No. But they'll do the same thing for us when we say, let's go follow Paul. They'll say, you worship Paul. But what happens is, is Moses is given this position of authority. And what Korah does is he says, don't follow after him. And that's that issue of the gainsaying. And the whole thing there, what you see, is denying the authority, the way of Cain, the error of Balaam. And the um, gainsaying of core. That's what that stuff is. It's denying that authority. So, when we go and take a look at the fact that, back over in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 where he says, how bit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might, for, might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. When we take a look at that issue, who is it that we go to to find out how to get everlasting life? It's Paul. So instead of saying the dispensation of the grace of God, you all follow Paul, which is what a lot of folks do. No one ever said that with Moses. Korah did, but you get that, right? Why did Korah do that? Really, it's pride and it's that religious system that says, come follow us instead. It's the same thing with Balaam. and It's the same thing that we see over there um, with Cain. Cain does the exact same thing. He says, I see your pattern, but I'm going to go do something else. And then 
what happens is, is people come along and you get to the point now, you know, I don't really like saying, okay, everybody else is wrong. We're right type stuff. But when you look at this verse, does the verse matter? Do we care about the words on the page or not? And that's a question that each and every one of us has to ask ourselves every time we go and read this. Do the words on the, pa do the, words on the page matter? And if they don't, put it up, go do something else. You know, I've, I've said this before. I, I, would, I would rather folks that's in pulpits this morning close the book, go play golf. Don't do this. You're being a core. You're being a Cain. You're being a Balaam. You're denying the authority that God gave us. You're denying the pattern that God gave us. Because you're not telling people to get saved based on Paul's gospel. You're telling people to get saved based on them doing things. And one of the things one day is somebody's going to say, yeah, but I did what pastor told me. And God's Jesus Christ is going to say what? Never knew you. That's a scary thought because we're dealing with people's souls. When you talk about this book, any form of this scripture you're dealing with people's souls on a, on, a, on, a, on a daily basis. You don't see it. You don't know unless you know that they're there. Oftentimes we don't think about it. We don't, oftentimes don't think that we're dealing with the spirit of somebody or dealing with the soul of somebody. We just feel, hey, we're dealing with the body. So when we take a look at these things, there's a pattern here that Christ shows forth all long-suffering. And again, we said, whose long-suffering there is, that's God's long-suffering. For a pattern to them which should hereafter what? Believe on Him to life everlasting. You want an everlasting life today? How do you get it? Believe on Him. Believe what? That His blood that He shed on the cross was for you. And it's not, yeah, He, he died on the cross, but He died as me for me and that's the only thing i can trust in is that he's going to give me eternal life the moment that i place my faith in what he's done and he's going to give his life to us the moment we get saved we're signed sealed and delivered we've already got that so when paul's dealing with this issue of charge some that they teach no other doctrine there's a reason why and it's not just the law stuff, but it has to do with salvation too. If you want to know how to, this is how you do it. All right. So when we look at these, Paul is the pattern for salvation. Paul is also the pattern for life. Now, I'll look at the clock and there's no way 43 minutes went by, but it did. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to stop there. We're going to pick up at verse 17 next week. <clears throat> and um, that's an interesting verse because you got the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. That's, a, that's, that's important stuff to know. And we'll take a look at what that is.